0: Good morning, everyone. And it's great to be with you this morning. Uh, Great to be back in the book of Philippians, where we'll be looking at the back end of chapter three. This book, which tells us in every chapter to rejoice. So if you're feeling a bit fed up this morning with lockdown, then here we are in the book of rejoicing. And that rejoicing springs out of the central piece in chapter two, where we've seen the central liberating truth that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant in human likeness, even to death. And out of that, done in love for us, he is rightly recognised as worthy, as utterly amazing, as totally glorious, and he is followed, and he is worshipped. Last week, Steve Thomas spoke about pursuing this wonderful Christ from the first part of chapter 3, where Paul says, knowing Jesus is better than anything else that we could be or that we could have. This week, in the uh, verses that follow on from that, Paul writes about how we might pursue Christ. So our set text this morning is chapter three, verse 12, onto the first verse of chapter four. You might like to find a Bible and follow along. I'm actually going to start reading from verse eight of chapter three as the whole uh, flow of this follows on. So from verse eight, Paul wrote, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And then our verses for this morning. Not that I've already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even even with tears many walk as enemies of the cross of christ their end is destruction their god is their belly they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven We see in these verses three ways to pursue Christ, three ways to pursue Christ, to keep going, to keep following and to keep waiting. So firstly, to keep going. You know, there's always more to learn about Christ Jesus. There's always more to learn. Paul wrote in the first of those verses that we read last week and have read again this week, I want to know Christ. And then despite being a mature Christian, he wrote in verse 12, I've not already attained this goal. He underlines this in verse 15, where he says, look, if you see yourself as mature, don't think of yourself as already the finished article, as already having everything you need. Rather, hmm, part of being a mature Christian is recognising that you are still called onwards. A mature Christian is is not an expert who knows every inch of their territory, but an explorer who keeps seeing new paths to discover. There's always a temptation to settle. But Paul says, I press on. He also says in verse 13 that he does this forgetting what is behind. It's easy to get stuck looking backwards. If life's been great, we're tempted to settle into the enjoyment of it all. Paul says, press on, keep going forwards, keep going. If life, on the other hand, has been tough, we can easily become demotivated, stuck in the quicksands of disappointment, once bitten, twice shy. Nervous of being hurt again. Paul says, forget that. Press on. Keep going forward. I want to pray. Um, Especially if you feel stuck in disappointment, I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray that you would grant my brothers and sisters who feel stuck who um, don't find it straightforward to think about keeping going, who are stuck perhaps particularly with with disappointments. Lord, I pray for a fresh desire to pursue Christ. Lord, as I've read stories of people in, in this lockdown season breaking the rules of lockdown in order to get and be with a loved one, Lord, I pray for that strength of desire to be put into people's hearts right now in Jesus' name, a desire for you that would cause every one of us to get up and to keep going after you. Do that now, Lord, I pray, by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So number one, keep going, writes Paul. Number two, keep following. Verse 17, Paul writes, join together in following my example we've just seen that paul knew he wasn't perfect he's not asking people to follow him because he thinks he's just like jesus but he he also knew as well as knowing that he wasn't perfect he also knew that that whether we mean to or not we all pick up habits from from other people and that there are many many people in the world who are opposed to Christ, whose minds are set, it says in verses 18 and 19, their minds are set on on earthly things, the stomach. And those people are absolutely not going to help us pursue Christ. We can pursue Christ by following others who are in love with him. Who set us an example of pursuing Christ, people who've made Christ the most important thing? Steve Thomas spoke about that last week of his relationship with his mentor, Barney Coombs, who, above all else, was in love with Jesus, and that desire was infectious and inspiring. It's good to know people who can teach us stuff, what to do, ha. Ah. But it's even better to know people whose hearts are in the right place. And that right place is in the worship of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul knows that the Philippians can't very well copy him in this season. He's in prison elsewhere. And so he says this, find people like that, people you want to be like, people who have followed my example, follow their example, keep your eyes on them. And now note, this is inevitably about relationship. It's it's something that happens between people. Uh, It's more like being an apprentice than being a student. A student is given information whilst an apprentice is given instruction. A student asks why whilst an apprentice is shown how. A student has texts, whilst an apprentice has a master. See, Paul doesn't write a textbook on how to know Christ. He rather says, keep your eyes on people, real people, with names and faces who love Jesus and learn from them. This is a particular challenge whilst we're in lockdown. It's hard to forge new relationships or deepen them. But I do want to say, if you're currently lacking relationships of that kind, relationships with people worth imitating, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray that as lockdown eases, that God would give you those relationships to help you to pursue Christ? As the text directs us to keep going and it directs us to keep following. And then thirdly, we're also encouraged to keep waiting. Now, the language for this bit is a bit tricky because the language here is about citizenship and it refers to colonies, which is complex. Uh, it is indeed true that many Westerners have still not acknowledged the reality of the violence and the injustices that were committed in the race for global domination. Colonialism is very complex, hurtful to many, and I do pray that God would help all of us To see things clearly and to repent and renounce of all the things that we should. Colonialism was complex for the Philippians too. Philippi had been a Greek city lived in by local Greek people. And then in 42 BC there was a major battle that took place nearby in a Roman civil war between two Roman army factions. And that battle was so big that it effectively ended the civil war and left a great many Roman soldiers suddenly surplus to requirements. And so the new emperor gave them permission, these soldiers, to stay there to take over Philippi and make it their home for it to become a Roman colony in Greece. The letter to the Philippians was written a century later to a mixed community. Some in that community had been born to the colonizers. They were thus born with a higher social status, that of Roman citizens, and they enjoyed privileges that were not known to everybody in that society. There were others to whom this letter was written who were born to the native Greek population and into a history of being dispossessed and brutalised. It's easy to imagine that ethnic natives with placards saying, Elke, Zoe, Eke, somatia," which means "Greek lives matter." And into that complex mix, Paul says, "You Christians, you need to understand that we are all colonizers." Verse 20. You all have a foreign identity, citizens of heaven. And verse 21, your king is determined to come and bring everything around you under his control. And so we're invited to join Paul in in keeping going in this Christian life and keeping on waiting for our king to come. There's a story that can help us grasp this. I've been a little uncertain about sharing it, not knowing quite how it will sound to all ears. But I pray that God would speak through it. It's a story from the very earliest days of what became known as America. A story from a very brief period. It was a very brief period of just a few years in which a colony had begun, but there was not yet any warfare or slavery. In April 1607, three ships landed on the east coast of America with the intention of starting a new trading colony. They found an uninhabited peninsula and settled there, in a place they called Jamestown. It turned out there were a number of reasons why this particular tract of land was uninhabited. It was swampy, it was isolated, it was not good for farming, it was plagued by mosquitoes and there was a lack of suitable drinking water. And to make matters worse, it soon became clear that these colonists actually didn't know how to farm anyway and they were not used to the hard labour involved. For three years, these colonists, a mixture of Brits and Germans and Poles, they suffered terribly. Some of them died. Some abandoned Jamestown and joined instead with living with those Native Americans who lived nearby. And as they abandoned the colony, they took weapons with them, with which they could return to attack Jamestown. Back in the town, an infestation of rats ate through their store of corn. What kept this colony going was the occasional arrival of supply ships. But the supplies weren't enough it was hard to keep maintaining their identity as citizens of a foreign land. And they all realised that what was actually needed was a much bigger intervention. But they gradually gave up hope of that intervention ever occurring. And so eventually, in 1610, the colonists stopped keeping going and in early June, our time of the year, they loaded their remaining supplies aboard two ships and determined to leave the colony and go home. Amazingly, almost as soon as they set sail, a new supply fleet arrived and this supply fleet was different to all the ones that had come before. This one was headed by a governor. His name was the third Baron de la War. And he came with a force of soldiers and their arrival provided salvation for Jamestown, which then became established and prospered. So... Paul wrote to Philippi, to a mixture of Roman colonists and dispossessed Greeks. And he said, you're all Christians, citizens of heaven and colonists on earth. Citizens of heaven and colonists on earth. He wrote, our citizenship is in heaven And we eagerly await from there a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we live on earth, but our identity and our supplies come from heaven. The Jamestown colonists gave up when they lost their hope of being adequately supplied and then their governor came. Sisters and brothers, do we struggle to keep going, to keep exploring and to overcome disappointment? I want you to know that our governor is coming, but unlike Baron de la War, he's not coming with a boatload of soldiers. He's coming with a sky full of angels. He's not coming to favour one ethnic group, but to unite people from every tribe and language, from every people and nation. He's not coming to do violence with swords and pistols because he has already defeated sin and death, and he is already victorious. He's not coming to oppress people, and yet every knee will bow before him, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Therefore, Paul finishes these verses saying, stand firm in this way. Stand firm. Don't be tempted to abandon your post. Be content to live as foreigners, people of heaven here on earth. For your king will come into your home. Your king will will come into your community. Your king will come into your school, your college. Your king will come into your place of work, your network of colleagues. Your king will come into your home nation, whichever it may be. Your king will. He'll come. Your king will come. So, Paul writes, stand firm. Keep going. Keep following. And keep waiting. Your king is not far off. Your king is not far off. And Father, I pray that we would know right now that you are near and that whilst we await that glorious day when you come with a sky full of angels, you still come to us now by your Holy Spirit, a guarantee of what is to come, and you supply us, not meagerly, you supply us with riches, you supply us from the abundance of heaven with all that we will need. And I pray in Jesus' name that disappointment would fall away. I pray that a kind of poverty mentality that just is content to scrape through, that that would fall away in Jesus' name and that we would learn to live as citizens of heaven here on earth. We love you, our King. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen.